0: The most important questions that you can ask yourself on a weekly basis, why you can't be responsible for people, why stress and meaning are intertwined, how to avoid toxic growth and experience healthy growth, and so much more coming right up. This is episode number three, zero, five with owner and founder of Path for Growth, Alex Judd. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. Before hopping into the episode, I want to tell you about my brand new daily, weekly, and monthly planner and video course called The Best Journey Planner. In this course, you're going to learn how to slightly improve in all seven pockets of your life, which are health, relationships, career, financial, personal, spiritual, and other. And you'll also learn how to spike in one of them at all times. You'll learn how to define success in these areas every single month, and then how to boil that down to what it looks like on a weekly and daily basis. Just go to go.nickcarrier.com slash the best journey planner. Again, go.nickcarrier.com slash the best journey planner. But for now, let's dive into the episode. I'm super excited today for one of my few repeat guests, Alex Judd. Alex has been a good friend of mine ever since I interviewed him for the first time about two years ago. He founded Path for Growth out of the belief that everybody wins when a leader decides to intentionally grow every single day. Keyword, decides. And then through teaching, intensives, and coaching, the Path for Growth team empowers impact-driven leaders to define vision and take meaningful action. But prior to starting Path for Growth, Alex served as the host of Dave Ramsey's nationally recognized Entree Leadership Podcast, which is how I first met him. Outside of work, Alex loves endurance sports. He's finished 22 marathons, two Ironman triathlons as well. And more than anything, Alex just loves people. He's stubbornly committed to seeing as many people as possible engage in a healthy, life-giving, sustainable path for growth. Before diving into the actual interview, be sure you're subscribing to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever it is that you listen and watch. And also be sure you share the episode with a friend while you're listening. All you got to do is send them to nickcarrier.com slash podcast. Be sure you're following me on Instagram at carrier underscore best you and follow Alex at Judd on the run. And make sure you go subscribe to his show as well, which is the Path for Growth podcast. But without further ado, here's to getting closer and closer to your best you with the one and only Alex Judd. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. I am super stoked today to have, for the second time, the one and only Alex Judd. Alex, I just want to start off by saying thanks for spending the time with me today.
1: Thank you. I'm super stoked as well, Nick. <laughs> this is going to be fun, man.
0: Yeah, man. Uh, I can't even remember exactly when it was, whether it was a year and a half, two years ago or so, when I met you down at uh, the Ramsey Ramsey Solutions to interview you there. Yeah, I had a uh, job
1: back then. <laughs> a lot has changed since then. <laughs>
0: Uh, it's not that you don't have a job now, but... It, uh,
1: That's true. People uh, are like, who is this bum? Like, who am I listening
0: to? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, but yeah, we had an awesome conversation then, and I'm super excited about the stuff that we're going to jump into today. But let's go ahead and, and dive in to give people a little bit more explanation as to what you're talking about when you say you actually had a job then. You left... How long ago was it now?
1: It, uh, it will be a year, June 1st.
0: Okay, a year, June 1st, you left Ramsey Solutions and started path for growth. So I just want to start off. I know we've talked about it in the past, but give people a little bit of a rundown as to what the reasoning and what the decision was like to kind of go off on your own and start your own thing. Yeah.
1: I had a guy send me a message on LinkedIn the other day and Literally, I never met this guy before. The message just said, what the hell were you thinking? Leaving Ramsey Solutions. Was oh like, my Great to meet you too. So I appreciate you for asking the question a little nicer than that. Honestly, what I tell people a lot of times, like it's, it's one of the greatest organizations I've ever been around period. Right. Dave is one of the strongest leaders I've ever worked for. And so I wasn't running from anything at all. Like I love that place. Still love that place. Love those people. It was just, I had this recognition, man, I think if I didn't step out to try and start and own my own business from the ground up, um, I would spend my entire life wondering what would have happened if. And it just made it so clear that that was the next right step. And then I started feeling gripped by this sense of calling around the idea that so often people who are in leadership positions, which I'm deeply passionate about, oftentimes don't know or haven't applied themselves to what it means to practice healthy growth. And the reason why I'm so passionate about that is because I've walked that path before as well, where it's toxic growth and it leaves you feeling weak, feeling drained, feeling burnt out, and you're actually not serving anyone well at all. And so what we say we do at Path for Growth is through training and speaking and coaching, we help impact-driven leaders practice healthy growth.
0: So what does toxic growth for people look like then?
1: Man, the the biggest distinguishing factor is kind of part of what I just hit on is if you get to the end of a season of struggle, because struggle and growth often go together, right? But if you get to the end of a season of struggle, and you are weaker Uh, less strong, less healthy, and less capable or equipped to serve people than you were before that season, it's toxic struggle, right? And sometimes we say like, oh, I'm in the grind, I'm hustling, I'm doing all this. But in reality, it's all selfish based because it's like you are actually making yourself less able to serve others effectively. And so what I say is healthy is healthy, is, is really rooted in that word humility, right? What is humility? It's to have an accurate viewpoint of oneself. So it's saying that I have dreams. I have aspirations. I also have incredible strengths and talents and gifts that I'm going to bring to the world. And at the same time, I am a human being, and therefore I am fragile, I'm feeble, I'm weak, and I'm limited. That doesn't mean that I can't do these things. It's just going to affect the way that I do these things, and I need to walk forward knowing that I'm a human being, but I can also work with other people, be hyper-aware, hyper-conscientious, and hyper-humble of bringing my full self to the thing.
0: So I love that definition of humility an accurate viewpoint of oneself. And it sounds like, you know, that's what people need to work on and improve on in order to make sure that they're avoiding toxic growth, if you will. So how does one become more aware as to if that that's what they're experiencing? Like, how do they know that? When they're going through a period of struggle that they end up not as good, at, like not good and they're not on the positive side of the things and they're not learning from it. Like how does somebody know that?
1: Yeah, I think it's incredibly hard. And, and it's honestly one of the things that I'm focusing on a lot right now in, in my own life because I got to a stage with this business where if you had asked me probably from the months of September to December. If you have asked me, if you would have asked me how things were going, I would have said, man, Nick, it's awesome. And you, you probably did ask me to be honest with you. I probably said, man, it's so awesome. Things are going great. We're growing. Number of clients is expanding. I'm thinking of hiring my first full-time person. And, and I was talking to this guy and I was having conversations with this person that I was thinking of bringing on board. And I said, man, things are just going really, really well. And they were going well externally. They really, really were. And, uh, like it was just hustling and moving and, and constantly like what's the next thing, right? What's the next thing? And it wasn't until December, I had a a trip with some friends get canceled. And so I ended up going to the beach, um, by myself for four days and turned off my phone for four days. And, uh, it was, it was a little bit terrifying. Like I put my phone, like turned it off, put it under a pillow in a separate bedroom. And I was like, okay, we're going to turn off phone and computer and we're just going to see how this goes. And, uh, it was crazy how after doing that, I just had this, like, I started to breathe again and then I had this recognition, like, I am so stressed out right now, like so uptight And the reason why I was able to realize that I was so uptight is because it felt like for the first time in 90 days, I was taking deep breaths again, like diaphragmatic breaths that go beyond shallow level. And it's like, that's kind of odd, you know? (laughs) And I even noticed I was actually, this is a weird thing to say as a 29 year old, but I've actually done some research on it and cortisol levels actually affect this. Like I was actually losing some hair. And and thankfully, it's all grown back. I'm thrilled about that. But it's like my stress levels had gotten out of control, and I was living in a state of complete unawareness of it, it's like, holy cow, what's going on? And so that was this wake up moment for me. It's like, man, you are literally growing because you feel like you have to go grow because you feel like you're perpetually behind because you're placing these self-imposed goals and aspirations that if I don't hit this by this time, then I'm not growing and I'm not doing what I should be. And I own the thing. It's like, why are you stressed out right now? And and that's what people should hear. you, you are your worst boss, right? Like the voice in your head, you would never talk to anyone else that way, but you talk to yourself that way, right? And so I had to step back and say, like, I'm not doing this anymore. I refuse. And I'm so grateful that happened in December, six months into the business, because now I've got this perspective is if it's like, man, if we grow, that's awesome. And, and I'd love to grow and I love to move the business forward. And we are growing, thankfully. And at the same time, if we grow 1% next month, we're also going to be okay, and, and the reason why we're going to be okay is because we're all having a blast. Before I wasn't having a blast.
0: Well, I think there's a lot there. We'll, we can get to the treat, treating yourself better and talking to yourself better because that's <laughs> that's rule two in uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson's. We're going to dive into dive into some of Dr. Jordan Peterson's work. But before we do, I think that is something that a lot of people in, who are listening right now and, and I have experienced because we are people who aim high. We are people who are... Um, I'm ambitious and, and we have goals and stuff. We get so caught up into the thick of things that we lose perspective. Cause I know for me personally, like the funniest thing happened before COVID started, I had like all these sticky notes, uh, around like on my desk, on my like wall and stuff. And then I went to Atlanta for nine weeks when COVID hit and I came back and sat down and like looked at all the sticky notes and I was like, what the hell was I thinking? Like, why, why did I think that that was so important? Exactly. No, but that, so that's what I'm saying. So like, how can we not have to have the experience of COVID happen or the experience of plans getting canceled and you having your phone off for four days? How can we not have to wait on something like that in order to gain perspective? And how can we keep perspective on a regular basis?
1: Dude, I love that question. Um, The the thing I always think back, uh, back to is, uh, grandma williams is her name she's my grandma on my mom's side we were at dinner one time and my mom was talking about something or something and grandma williams once it gets past a certain hour she can start to get a little bit snarky and and like she was trying to explain something that i guess i can't remember the exact context of the story but my mom uh my mom i guess didn't grip what my grandma was trying to say and my grandma just paused for a second and just goes amy open your eyes, open your eyes. Like I will, ne- like that is the exact tone that she said with open your eyes. And so that's the advice that I would give myself, Alex, open your eyes, open your eyes. And the words that I keep focusing on is pay attention. As a human being, you have an outrageous capacity for self, de- for self-deception. Like you can convince yourself that you are all right if it is inconvenient or uncomfortable to recognize that you're not. And so, I mean, like to my knowledge, human beings are the only creature on the planet that can build up entire realities in their mind that don't actually exist in front of them. And and that's called denial, right? And so what we've got to do is we've got to pay attention. And so one really practical thing that I've started doing, and this is actually, I think I got it from Jordan Peterson. You're so much more respectful for me than me. You always say Dr. Jordan Peterson. I just, I just said Jordan. <laughs> um, but I think I got it from him every once in a while. I'll just journal my answer to the question. Where am I being stupid right now? And I never don't have an answer. That's what's crazy. It's like I always find an answer. It's the question of how deep are you willing to go. The other thing I would say is living in community and for me having a counselor. And and I I have a counselor not because my life is falling apart. I have a counselor because people depend on me to be operating at my best. That's why I have a counselor and because he helps me do that.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I think – I think mean, that's an awesome question. I think it is a hard question to have the courage to ask yourself because you're going to be revealed stuff that is. just Oh, the where not am I being stupid? That. Yeah, where am I being stupid? Oh yeah. my gosh!
1: Yeah, and and I mean, like the science behind the fact that your mind will block. Like if you're an alcoholic, your mind will block you from answering that question truthfully. Yeah. And and I think it's important to remember that every addiction was once simply a bad habit. Yeah. And so would. Yes. Wouldn't it's scary, but it's also empowering because it's like, okay, well, I can fix a bad habit,
0: yeah, that's good.
1: and I can attack a bad habit, you know. And, and if I just open my eyes and pay attention and don't go two years without asking that question, I just see so often people create lives that they're miserable in, and if they would have addressed the hard things 18 months ago, they'd be in a much healthier spot. Yeah.
0: No, I completely agree. Um, one of the things I want to kind of go back to that you said early on because it really related with me and I think it was insightful as you talked about kind of if you had not left to do something on your own you would have always wondered like what if you always wonder always would have wondered you always would have almost like felt this gap that like I could have given more I could have done more and one of the things that I have said before to somebody who was like kind of a past coworker and and I was leaving and they were kind of asking me why and and I was like, I just feel like my highest contribution to the world is going to come from something that I create. And I don't know if that's like a, I don't mean for that to sound like arrogant or anything like, or anything like that.
1: Arrogant. No. You, okay. Pause real quick. Cause I think this is important for everyone to understand. You use the word contribution by nature. You can't contribute from a posture of arrogance. So I don't think that's arrogance at all.
0: Point. Um, well, I appreciate that. Of course. (laughs) Um, on a deeper level, it's kind of like when you do your own thing, you get to completely define success for yourself rather than if you work under someone or for people, you are essentially required to adopt what their version of success is on a daily basis. And I think that that's one of the things that we as humans need to do in order to get closer to the best version of ourselves is we need to be required on a daily basis to define what success means for ourselves. Like, what does the success mean for our health? What does success mean for our financial life, spiritual life, relationships, all that kind of stuff? And I think that oftentimes we don't get the opportunity to do that sometimes when we work within another company. And so, I feel like one of the reasons why I felt that way is like, I want to define success for myself rather than kind of adopting another narrative of success. And I don't know if that's anything that you relate to or anything that like makes sense. And if, I don't know if I did a good job explaining that or what. No,
1: I think it's a great job. I, I um, the thing that I would say related to that is I never want to demonize working for an organization, because I believe that sometimes, and I don't know what my life is going to look like 20 years from now. It could be, and, and neither do you, right? It could be 20 years from now, both Nick and Alex, their story of success involves working for an organization. And it, and it just happens that our story of success aligns so much with someone else's that we decide to go work for someone, right? Or with someone on something. Um, I don't anticipate that's going to happen, but it might, right? You know, and so if you're working for an organization or if you're working for an organization, the thing that you should ask yourself is exactly what Nick just said is what is my definition of success and, and how do I define success for myself? And does that align with the place that I'm walking into every day? What I get so freaking irritated about is people that answer that question uh, that either don't have the guts to define it, number one, or answer that question no every single day and then complain about their employer. It's like that person's paying you. And if you're complaining for more than 30 or 60 or 90 days, uh, we live in this amazing place called the United States of America and you can leave tomorrow. And, and do them and do you a favor and do that because as long as you stay in a place where you are allowing yourself to have a bad attitude, you are now the problem.
0: Yeah, no. And one of the things that I think about in regard to that is you almost don't have the right to complain if you don't do anything about it. Right. You know what I mean? Like if you're not taking responsibility for doing what you can to change that, whether you're just trying to make your situation at work better or whether you're, you're moving, um, to a different company. Like you almost like don't have the right to complain if you're not doing everything you can. And that's kind of like one of my why is every single day. And almost like my biggest fear is that I'm not doing everything that I potentially can do in order to get closer to the best version of myself. And that's almost like why I don't feel like I would ever have any right to complain if I am not doing everything I could do.
1: Yeah. I, I had this thought at Ramsey um, that was entirely impractical, like most of my thoughts are. But uh, but I was like, man, wouldn't it be awesome? Like there used to be a time when the CEO would sign your check and hand it to you, and I just thought to myself, I wonder how much that would change the dynamic of people in a company if they literally didn't get it direct deposit if they literally received the check from their leader and said, thank you, you know, and I've thought, you know, our company's entirely remote, so I'm not driving around the country to deliver people's checks, but it's just like, I think that's helpful for me to remember. And it was really helpful whenever I worked there. It's like this, this person is signing my check. And, and so I'm going to contribute to their mission all the way up into the point when I'm not. And, I'm so grateful I had that posture because there was so much when I was deciding whether or not I was going to stay or be an entrepreneur, there was so much that I learned in the time because I did not allow myself to wallow in negativity, right? And I didn't allow myself to complain because number one, it wasn't true. Like there was so much stuff to be grateful for and positive about there. It's bonkers. But then number two, it's like you miss out on lessons whenever your mind is focused on what you're angry about.
0: So I want to dive into a little bit of Jordan Peterson's work, <laughs> Just of Jordan's our work. Our boy Jordan, Of right? Jordan's work. Maybe
1: he'll come to the next one that we record. Let's yeah, make that happen. Oh my gosh. Or I'll take a road imagine? trip to Canada with you if we can organize that. Oh my
0: gosh, I would go today.
1: <laughs> I would
0: drive right now. Um, so
1: do your listeners know who he is, do you think?
0: I've talked about him before, but <laughs> if you of my don't clients, know, they're
1: like, I feel like I've heard him before because you talk about him so much.
0: There I will see. there's gonna be people who don't, yeah. for sure. If you don't know who he is, then you need to just like pull up YouTube one time. But uh he's the author of Twelve Rules for Life and Clinical and Beyond Order Clinical Psychologist. I
1: think he's one of probably best one of the best minds of our time. Exa- yes, that's the right phrase.
0: I- I've heard yeah. you say that and I've said it before too. I completely agree. Like I think he's you know, people talk about Aristotle to talk about Plato, like I think he is literally in that conversation. Anyways, we talked. You talked about it earlier how we are. We speak very negatively to ourselves, and that's something that I experience a lot with people in their fitness goals. Like people always treat themselves like crap, and and that's something that I've talked about with some guests on my podcast who are also in the health and fitness space, and. I kind of wanted to talk about one of his rule what his rule number two in Twelve Rules for Life is treat yourself like someone you're you are responsible for helping. And he talks about how, you know, Carl Jung is somebody who he learns a lot from. And Carl Jung's thoughts on the golden rule of love your neighbor as yourself. He says that this means embracing and loving the sinner who is yourself as much as forgiving and aiding someone else who is stumbling and imperfect. Because a lot of times we're going to treat somebody else who we see is stumbling and imperfect very well, but then when we do it, we just crush ourselves. Right. So, how can we begin to give ourselves a little bit more permission to be imperfect?
1: Yeah. Well, it, uh, <laughs> I I would not say that I've figured this out yet, right? Like this is something that, I, and it's probably per, like perpetually in progress, and I think that's part of it. Allow yourself to be perpetually in progress, right? But then the other thing that I would say, it's so fascinating in the one-on-one coaching that we do. I mean, there's people in our program that own 60 to $90 million businesses. And this is probably the rule of Jordan Peterson's that I refer to the most. I mean, they're CEO of a $90 million business and we're spending time saying, you need to treat yourself as someone you're responsible for helping. And because, they have taken responsible they have taken responsibility for everyone else and and what i think we all need to understand and this is what i'm constantly having to learn in this season is you can be responsible to people you cannot be responsible for people and so what does that mean well i and this applies to your personal relationships too I am responsible to properly communicate my expectations, to properly understand their expectations, to set clear boundaries, to make sure we know where we're going, to make sure that we're constantly understanding and talking to each other, right? To communicating effectively, all that stuff. I'm responsible to that. They are responsible for meeting those expectations. They are responsible for staying within the boundaries. They are responsible for winning, all of this stuff. And the minute I try to take responsibility for them doing that, I'm actually taking taking responsibility from them. I'm stealing it. I am robbing their opportunity to be an individual. Right. And so you can't do that. But then also we don't take responsibility for ourselves and say like, man, I need to take care of me. And it turns out that's a, like, that's a really hard commitment. Like managing me is, is if I can figure that out, my business is a cakewalk. And I really mean that. That's why, honestly, Nick, I've thought about this before. I think you're going to thrive in business strictly because you're, you establishing yourself as someone that can take care of Nick really well. And I would imagine Nick's a pretty hard person to take care of. Right. I mean, and like, so if you can establish order and disciplines and rhythms and routines for yourself, it's just in the business world, we call it systems and processes and structures, right? That's all we call it. And so that's number one. Then the second thing is the question I always end up asking those clients is okay. You've told me this entire situation and and a lot of it is revolving around the things that you're struggling with and, and the issues that you have in your mind associated with moving forward or things like that. If your daughter or son came to you in this exact position, facing this exact problem, what advice would you give them? And the advice that they would give their daughter or son is so radically different than the advice they allow themselves to accept. And... I mean, I've had people cry before talking to their sometimes even imaginary daughter and son because they start to come face to face with the fact that I don't live in accordance with the way I think other people should be treated. And it's like, that's a crazy concept.
0: Crazy concept. And it's, it's so true. Actually, a, a podcast guest a couple of episodes ago, um, who's also, he's, he's mainly works in nutrition. But he, his, he, one of the things that he always talks about with his clients is how we all have a bully in our brain.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: it's funny, but it's, it's so, so true. And it, the thing that I really resonated with that you said is that you can be responsible to people, but you're not responsible for people. Because one of the things that I have found myself sometimes struggle with is when I have clients who are working towards a fitness goal and they like don't follow through on all their workouts or all their nutrition for one week, I'm like... I feel like I've personally failed. I'm like, <laughs> it, it frustrates me so much and eats at me. And I'm continually trying to, you know, work on that of like, look, I can give them all the tools. I can give them the advice. I can give them kind of the the strategy, but ultimately, like they have to follow through. Yeah. They have to be the ones to execute. Like I can try to set them up for success as much as possible, but at the end of the day, it's got to be up to them. And like you said, you don't want to take responsibility for them because then you're taking it away from them as well. And I think that was super powerful. One of the things that I know a lot of people struggle with is also kind of along the same lines is they don't realize that they have to kind of like we talked about earlier, like fill their own cup up before they help other people. Like, I forget exactly what you said, but if you're not like the best version of yourself, then... You're not going to be able to contribute to other people maximally. So what can we do to realize that and almost be incentivized that that is the most important thing first? Because like you said, if you can take care of yourself, then you're going to be able to take care of your business. You're going to be able to take care of other people. How can we incentivize ourselves that that is the thing that we have to do first and realize that it's not selfish? We're going to take a brief pause in the interview really quickly because if you're somebody who is looking to achieve a fitness goal or maybe you lack motivation to get into the gym, you lack some structure in your in your weekly routine, or maybe you've been wanting to get back into the fitness game and get back to maybe your weight loss goal or whatever goal it is, and you're not really quite sure how. If that sounds like you, my 10-week program is for you because I help everybody set a very specific goal. Then we create a very specific strategy of the two or the three things that we need to do every single week that we believe are going to make us successful with our overall goal and then i will help you execute and I'll help you hold you accountable every single week so you do the things that you kind of know you should be doing but you're you're not quite doing them right now and that's what I've done with hundreds of people over the past 365 days over the past a little over a year and I want you to make sure that you are part of it as well and enough for me I want you to hear from the people who have done it in the past what they've got out of it and, and why they did it in the first place so here you go I cannot say enough good things about Nick's 10-week program. I have always been somebody who has worked out but never really had a fitness goal. If anything I really wanted to achieve, it was more so just to stay in shape. And Nick does a great job of helping you not only define the goal, but also realize what steps you need to take to get there. Tomorrow, as of my weigh-in week nine, I hit my goal of losing 25 pounds in 10 weeks. Just the whole methodology
1: of the program, with it being one big goal, followed by some smaller goals to help me reach that big goal and then the weekly commitments to help me reach those smaller goals. During these times, it's helped strengthen my mental health and strengthen my focus and really made sure to hold me accountable to my goals.
0: I'm so happy that I was able to hit the goal and uh, so much so, that i decided to do another 10 weeks with nick i would recommend it to
1: anybody no matter what your goals are if it's weight loss if it's running a shorter mile if it's anything you would like to achieve i think that this program gives you the tools to set yourself up for success but one of the biggest benefits for me and the biggest takeaway I had was one I wasn't necessarily set out to improve upon, and that was building more self-confidence and really instilling self-accountability. The program was great. Um, I'm doing it again a second time to continue my weight loss, and I just can't recommend it enough.
0: So again, guys, if you lack motivation, if you lack structure, if you want to get back into your fitness game, but you're not really sure how, then I want you to make sure you go to nickcarrier.com slash 10-week programs. Again, nickcarrier.com slash 10-week programs to learn more. For now, let's get back to the interview one of our core
1: values at path for growth is strength is for service right and you should be outrageously strong outrageously incredibly remarkably strong and then you should go spend all of that strength you should literally give it away right but i i think so often like you said we operate from a posture of weakness and then we serve out mediocrity what do like, you mean you serve Like We serve from a posture of weakness in that we, I would say, let's talk about what that looks like. I would say that looks like reaction mode. So it means, I mean, part of taking responsibility for yourself, right? We can do the whole compassion, like bullying your brain. Yes, that's all true. And we should tell the bully in the brain, shut up. And at the same time, get out of bed. Like get out of bed at five thirty or six or right you know I mean I never prescribe a time for someone because some of you have kids and I don't have kids right now and I heard that changes things a little bit right but but like go to bed at a reasonable time get out of bed at a reasonable time stop eating crap drink water do some push ups in the morning or some burpees in the morning like take care of yourself because then when you get to seven thirty you're not weak you're strong right and and you can show up and and there's so many people that show up to seven thirty, and all they can do is consume all they can do is take from people because they have not correctly postured themselves to give. You have nothing to give at seven thirty if you woke up at seven, right like I mean you can't, and so do you want to contribute or do you want to consume and so this is where like when I think about this rule, there are times where I need to be outrageously compassionate and gracious. And kind to Alex, right? And there are times where I need to just say, Alex, stop being so damn weak. Yeah. Like, just get out of bed. And and the thing that I am in process of learning right now is how to modulate between the two and how to recognize what voice is proper at what time.
0: Yeah. Well, I think I think you nailed it on the head. And I think our society is getting on the softer side of things, like self, like be more self compassionate. And it's almost like too far that way. Where it's like, no, like get your ass out of bed. <laughs> like you said, I mean, for, oh, for wanting to get, throw some more words in there, but like the not phrase self
1: care is starting to drive me crazy. Oh, and like, I get it. Like,
0: like self love is the thing that pisses me off.
1: Oh my gosh. Go serve someone. Go do something that adds outrageous value to someone else and realize that you leave that 10x more energized than you leave some spa that you spent at for three days by yourself. I have nothing against spas, right? But meaning and struggle go hand in hand. They, they are always inextricably intertwined. And so don't expect to go to the spa for three days, not talk to anyone, not do anything related to contribution and find your calling. It's not, it, it will, it will not happen. And there's a culture today that says, Oh, you just need to get away. You need to go sit on a blanket and just meditate for, for seven days straight about what your calling should be. No, calling is found in progress, right? Calling is found in action. And by the way, calling is today. Right, get in on what God is doing today because that's what you're called to do. Yeah,
0: Just get a little passionate about this. You to- <laughs> no, that's so good, that's so good. Um, This is kind of along the same lines of that, but I think that from a practical standpoint, in order to get closer to the best version of ourself, like we're currently here, right? If we're looking at a graph, we're currently here and the best version of ourselves is up there. Quite literally, that best version of ourselves has things, has skills, has knowledge, has experiences that this person does not yet have. And to me, the way that we live into that person, the way that we become that person is we wander into chaos, is not, we don't completely throw ourselves into it. We wander it. We wander in it and dip our toe and see what our what I, what I said the other day to somebody, what our capability threshold is. is like we have to toe the line of what we're capable of and, and what we're not capable of. And one of the th- quotes in his book is, living things are always found in places that they, they can master, surrounded by things or situations that make them vulnerable. Ugh. And so that was, I mean, it's That's just, why I love this guy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's money. It's money. So what are things that people can do daily, weekly, monthly basis to try to challenge themselves, themselves to toe that line. Yeah. So that they do actually acquire skills, knowledge, experience that get them closer to the best version.
1: Yeah, I always find when I talk about this, like, to first of all define chaos the way Jordan Peterson defines chaos. Chaos is not strictly anarchy, right? Chaos is the uncertain, the ambiguous, right? The place where you feel insecure, the place where you may look like a fool, right? Um, but you have to look like a fool en route to becoming a master. And that's part of it, right? So I love that you articulate, like, it's it's... The force that mediates between order and chaos—that's where the money happens, right? That's where you get really, really
0: good. Well, and that's what he—and sorry to interrupt you—but yeah. that's what he says. Like you, you said that stress and meaning are always intertwined, that's right. and that's what—that's where he's like, if you can continually find that hot spot, that's find right. that zone, that's where ultimate meaning lies throughout your life. If you can continually spend time in that zone,
1: that's right. And so, what I challenge people to sometimes do and this is just a helpful practical exercise, is first of all, just understand where you are, right? It's what we were talking about earlier. You have to have an accurate understanding of what is reality as it stands today. And this is related to your perception. So on a scale of zero to 10, if zero is total order, right? My entire life is systemized, routine. It's outrageously consistent. It's just a series of habits. I clock into an eight to five job. I eat this every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, right? Like you just got, it's filled with structure and rhythm and routine. Let's call that a zero. 10 is chaos. Everything is uncertain. Everything is ambiguous. There's no structure. There's no rhythm. There's no routine. There's no habits, right? It's all craziness, where where do you land? Think about where do you land? Because if you live too much on the zero side of things, you will become complacent, right? And then someone that lives at the 10 side of things, there's a there's a phrase for that. It's called a train wreck, right? Or a dumpster fire, right? You don't want to be there. What would it look like for you to be at a four or a five, right? To where okay, I've got structure and rhythm and routine in the things that matter most. I make my bed every single morning. I drink 32 ounces of water. I've got a specific friend that I meet with once a week or my spouse and I have a date night once a week or I go to church on Sundays or I read 10 pages a day. Those are the things that you can depend on, that you're anchored in, that you know if everything else goes crazy, you've got those things that you can always come back to. And that does a lot for your heart, right? To to have something that you can recenter yourself. Prayer is an incredibly orderly, rhythmic thing that you can invest yourself in. And what does that do? That grants you the ability to courageously wade into chaos. And so have the guts to go do the thing that makes you uncomfortable have the guts to go talk to a stranger, have the guts to maybe bootstrap a business, have the guts to start a podcast, have the guts to start writing a book, have the guts to sit down with someone that you've never met before and just say, can I really admire you? Can I ask you a bunch of questions, right? Have the guts to do that thing that you're like, man, this is going to demand a lot from me, but your order, all the things that you do every day have earned you the ability to do that. And and so like you're not going to write a book at the end of your life about all the rhythms, routines, and structures and habits you have. Yeah. You're going ru- to write the book about the risks that you took. And your peop- the people that value you the most and that love you the most, they're going to remember you from the way, not just that you were incredibly consistent, they will remember that, but, but show some boldness, show some courage. There's something that you are called to that's been in the back of your head that it's time to bring the forefront of your mind and say, what would it look like just to start doing that a little bit?
0: Mm. there's something that you said in there that your rhythms and routines and your habits provide you the ability to step out into into courage and to be bold I think that's so profound because the people who don't have if you don't have a solid foundation if you don't have the solid routines set up for certain areas of your life. If you try to step out on a limb and things don't go super well, or even if they don't go perfectly, then you could crumble. Like, I think you have to have that solid foundation of routines and habits and, and systems set in place to allow you to, if, if things don't go super well,
1: That's right. And so what's cool about that is regardless of who we're talking to, whether you're the most habitualized person on the planet or you're not, there's chaos in your life. And so all of our responsibility is to take chaos and subdue it into order. Take that bed that looks like a mess all the time and make it every morning. Then suddenly, what does that do? That earns you the ability to do something a little bit more. Right. People, we recorded a podcast episode on our podcast that was all about morning routine. Right. And I'm sure you've done one of these as well. It's one of the highest performing podcasts we've done. It's the one people talk about the most. And, and I have a morning routine that is several steps long now, which has just been incomprehensibly valuable to me, but it did not start there. Right. You start with making your bed. And then you start with, after you make your bed, you drink 32 ounces of water. And then once you establish that as a habit, you start doing 15 burpees, right? And you just stack and stack and stack and stack till one day you have this outrageous morning routine, but start with the first thing and bring that into order. And that's your bed.
0: Yeah. Well, and you know, one of the things that he talks about, Jordan Peterson talks about is if somebody is constantly depressed or constantly anxious, it's sometimes easy to get them out of that. If their go to bedtime and their wake up time is just all out of whack, because like one actually from a biologically per- biological perspective, like your mood is very much tied to your circadian rhythm, and so if your all that is all thrown off, then it's going to affect you. But also just from like that structure point of point of view, and then the other thing I thought about when you're saying is that there is a thing called decision fatigue. Like if you have to continually make decisions all day long, then you're going to be set up for failure by the end of the day. But if you continually have these systems and routines and habits set in place, it gives your mind more space and more freedom to be able to execute at a higher level when chaos doesn't sue.
1: That's right. I haven't told you about this yet, but it is a decision I've made in the past two weeks. I am trying to distill everything I own into being able to live out of one Rubbermaid bin. Um, yeah, right. Uh, someone asked me, does that mean you're living in the Rubbermaid bin? No, I'm not going to live in a Rubbermaid bin. Right. But, um, and one of, there's many reasons why that's hyper lucrative to me and why I feel like I've thought about it, prayed about it. feel called to do that in this season. But one of those reasons is because I, there's enough things I need to make decisions on right now. The t-shirt I'm going to wear doesn't need to be one anymore. And so I'm just going to go buy, and I've already done it, a bunch of black V-neck T-shirts, and I'll wear that every day, right? Because it's like I I can remove that as something that's on my mind, what am I wearing tomorrow? And, and it's not like I was losing sleep over what am I wearing tomorrow? Right. But it it was something that I was expending thought process on that is no longer. And, and I'm eliminating a lot of those things now. And I've just begun the process of getting there over the course of the next month. I'm hopefully going to be in a rubber bait bin, not me physically. Um, but, I'm already experiencing the freedom that that provides because simplicity equals freedom. Yeah.
0: Well, and I don't think people listening to the podcast are necessarily going to go buy a Rubbermaid bin and try to do the <laughs> same thing. There might be one, a couple out there, but that's why laying out your clothes the night before is right. so powerful. It's just, again, the, des- the decision fatigue thing, the more you can make the trivial things habitual mm-hmm. and not, require brain processing power then the more you're going to be set up for success
1: because it becomes order and order gives you the ability to step into more chaos and so i mean the example that he used that really made this concept click for me is uh marines navy seals army rangers they go into the most hostile environments on the planet nothing is predictable why do you think they're so outrageously incessantly obsessed with your pants have to be pleated the right way, your shoes have to be shined the right way, your bed has to be made because it does something for your soul. When you realize there are things I can control, although I may not be able to control anything out there, there are things in here that I actually can control. And so, I mean, that's one of the trainings that we teach is ownership mentality. And we say to have an ownership mentality is to decide To be ruthlessly responsible for the things you can control and the minute you make that decision what you start to realize is oh i can actually control a lot like there is so much in my life personally right now i'm talking as me in my life personally right now that i can control that i'm not yet and that's crazy because that's outrageous opportunity for growth
0: yeah man well i yeah i just could not agree anymore well down to the last couple questions alex um you said you're, you mentioned during the podcast you're 29. Let's say you're 31, two years down the road. And I'm not going to ask you what your specific goals are, but let's say you've achieved a lot of the goals that you have. Your, your business is thriving. You have more clients. You have all your stuff in a rubbermaid bin. You're speaking more and more like you want to. Envision that 31-year-old version of yourself. What are the habits that that person has that you don't currently have?
1: I don't know that I have a direct answer to this question. And the reason why is because the current season that I'm in right now is the greatest uh, season of contentment I've ever experienced. And like, I'm just so thrilled and happy and delighted to be where I am today. And um, like, I just, I wake up and the primary emotion that I feel is gratitude. And it's not because everything is going great there. I mean, we had some problematic issues today that we had to deal with that were a little bit irritating and frustrating. And at the same time, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. And so I've, I've had this mindset in the past that I now view as toxic, which was that contentment equals complacency. And because I know we're talking to really driven people. Because you don't listen to a podcast called Freaking Best You unless you're a very driven person, right? Uh, I want you to hear that if you've ever heard that voice that says, "If you become content, then you will also become complacent," that is an absolute lie. Like that is n- not true. Because what does contentment means? It it means the the ability to be grateful and present. And here, right now. That doesn't sound like complacency at all to me. And some of the people that I most admire in this planet have this ability to be outrageously content and incredibly growth-oriented at the same time. And so it's almost like because I'm trying so much to detox from the past mindset of contentment equals complacency and to just just be willing to be content and present... I'm spending less time probably than I ever had in my entire life thinking about what are my personal goals at 31 and what are my personal habits at 31 because what I really want them to be is just what I'm supposed to be doing at that time. Because the reason why I'm content at 29 is the habits and the rhythms and routines I'm not perfect at it, but they're what I'm supposed to be doing right now. I have no clue what that's going to look like at 31. But what I want is I want to be someone that is known by others as being outrageously generous, as being incredibly present, and as being so beyond glad to be 31 that he could care less about what's going to happen at 33. Um, That's not a direct answer to your question, but that's where I'm at
0: right now. Dude, I like it. I like it. I think the the right answer to the question is the answer you give. That's good. Um, well, before I ask the last question, Alex, I just want to acknowledge you for you doing consistent work on yourself and doing consistent humility work, gaining one, more awareness of, of who you truly are. And, you know, it, it's like you said, that's so important to do so that you can serve others at the at the highest level um, and serve others maximally. And you continue to do that on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. And so I think this the way that you do it is just superb.
1: Well, dude, I I, uh, I think I told you this before, but. Like one of the inspirations for leaving what was an incredible career and an incredible job in an organization to leave to bootstrap my own thing. Like one of the inspirations was you because like I saw you every single day as someone that is like, man, he's, he's doing it, right? And he's taking this thing from the ground up. And I just want to let you know, like I have so much respect for that. Like the person that can literally say, I'm going to take this thing that didn't exist, best you, right? And out of that, I'm going to create fitness courses and classes and a podcast and a brand and, and a network of people and live events. Like none of that would have ever happened or existed if you didn't say, I'm going to go do that. And I saw that, and I was like, "Well, if he can do it, I feel like maybe I could do that too." And so I know you provide that inspiration to me, and I know you've done that for others as well. So thank you.
0: I appreciate that, man. That means a lot. That means a lot. Well, I know if you guys don't follow Alex, you're gonna you're gonna go one too. So make sure you follow him on Instagram at Judd on the Run, and you can follow Path for Growth at Path for Growth, and make sure you check out their podcast as well. Um, Is there any other... And there's pathforgrowth.com, y'all's website. Is there any other good place that people should go to learn more about you guys and support you?
1: Yeah, we're about to have this killer guest. I can't believe he he was willing to be booked on the podcast, but his name is Nick Carrier on the (laughs) Path for Growth podcast. So we'd love for you to come check out that episode specifically.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome stuff, man. Well, last question is I've asked you it before. I didn't go back to see what your answer was, but I'll be interested to uh, compare the two at the two different seasons of life in which I've interviewed you. But I think that getting closer to the best version of yourself is a constant journey. I don't think we're ever at that best version. And I also think it's a very unique journey. I think the way that I'm going to get closer to the best version of myself is very different than the way that you're going to get closer to the best version of yourself. So for you personally, if there are three things that you can currently do or three things that you can currently work on to get closer to the best version of Alex J that you can possibly be, then what are those three things that you could currently do or currently work on?
1: Three things. I would say the first thing would be do consistently what you're currently doing occasionally. And so specifically related to other people in the community that uh, I find myself in right now. Um, I, I think if I'm not careful, I can talk at people instead of talking with people and I can be a presenter instead of being a person. And I'm seeing more and more as our business grows And I'm required in a professional capacity to be a presenter. It's really, really, really freaking important for me to also have people that I can just be a person with. And I've started to, to really create habits and rhythms where I do that occasionally. And so I think number one is the best version of myself does that consistently. Like I've got my go-to people that, that are that consistently. Um, number two I would say mitigating or eliminating fear-based decision-making. And then number three, is living in such a way that I acknowledge grace exists. (laughs) <laughs> man I, I i don't remember my answer to that question last yeah, time I either can, i can
0: probably 1000 percent guarantee you it was not exactly that <laughs> no, but. <laughs> I,
1: I, but but i remember thinking to myself like this seems like a question that i should always ask myself and i don't and like it's just such a powerful thing I, like specific questions yield specific answers and when you actually have the guts to ask yourself that question. Like everyone that listens to your freaking podcast should ask themselves that question and hold yourself accountable to writing it down. That, I mean, that's why I pause. Cause it's like, I, well, gosh, Nick, I haven't thought about three things. You're putting me on the spot, you know? So man, that like, that's healthy for me. So thank you.
0: Yeah, man. Well, I, it's funny when I asked the question and you paused, it brought me back to when I asked it the first time and what I really remember more than almost anything from the last podcast that we did was how thoughtful and intentional you were behind every single word that you spit out. And, you know, that's one of the things that Jordan Peterson talks so much about is like, be careful with your word. Don't say words that make you weak. And, and I think that's something that you continually live by. But that's all we got today, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, good having you back on. Thanks,
1: Nick. Appreciate you.
0: That conversation was an absolute blast. Alex and I have had a handful of conversations like that in the past, both on mic and off mic, and he always impresses me with the level of intentionality that he puts behind every single word that he uses. For now, be sure that you share this episode with a friend or family member, and make sure that you rate it and review it on iTunes. That's going to be the best way that you can support me, support the show, and help the show move up the ranks so that we get these amazing messages and lessons into more and more ears and in front of more and more eyes. And also, if you're interested in having a daily, weekly, and monthly planner that gives you confidence that you're always getting closer to your best you, then all you have to do is go to go.nickcarrier.com slash the best journey planner. Again, go.nickcarrier.com slash the best journey planner. I loved learning the question of how am I being stupid right now? It's a question that he says he now asks himself on a weekly basis and he can always find an answer to. And unfortunately, We all can probably find an answer to that at all times, right? But it's a practice of humility and self-awareness which allows you to grow intentionally. Now, as Alex said, stress and meaning are intertwined. There cannot be meaning without stress. The goal is to view the stress in a positive light and embrace it. To me, when you can consistently experience healthy growth, not toxic growth, and you can consistently view stress in a positive light, you will be constantly getting closer and closer to your best you.